In this captivating episode of Data Driven, we engage in a thought-provoking discussion about equities of care and disparities in the healthcare system. Our guest explains how patients experience varying levels of care based on their unique circumstances, an issue that undoubtedly impacts both the healthcare system and the patients themselves. We discuss the administrative inefficiencies and lack of effective management in healthcare systems. Can data and AI really fix this issue? Listen to find out. Hello and welcome to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emergent, right? It's no longer emerging uh, fields of data science, uh, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. And of course, data engineering, which is really the foundation for all of the good stuff that we're going to talk about today. How are you doing, Andy? I'm well, Frank. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I'm still working on memorizing the season seven kind of intro, which is probably by the time this show goes out, it's been a little different each time. So. Sure, but it's all good. I, I like the um, the emphasis on data engineering, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm biased. Oh, naturally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, totally, totally get that. And um, I'm really excited about uh, today's guest. Cool. Yeah, me too. I, I will add that that before we talk about our guest, uh, oh. that the, the emphasis on data engineering isn't just yeah. for you. It's mostly for you. Well, uh, thanks, Frank. I appreciate that. The yeah. more work I've done... In, in enterprises, the more I realize that, you know, this is, it is foundational, right? And 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 if yeah. you follow me on, on my Red Hat channels and things like that, you know, I have this this talk, you know, uh, rock stars and roadies, right? Like That's the rock a great stars. talk, by the way. Oh, great thank metaphor. you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I use the example of Taylor Swift because my niece is a huge fan of hers, right? So people buy the tickets for Tay-Tay, right? But Tay-Tay's concert wouldn't be awesome. I'm, I'm not a fan, right? So I, I'm not, they don't hate, I don't fan. I'm very neutral. I'm Tay, I'm right, Tay neutral, right? Um, and my 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 Tay probability wave has function has not collapsed yet. So um, <laughs> that's a quantum computing joke, um, which you will get or you won't get or neither, um, I suppose, which is another joke. Anyway, it really comes up that that you know. It's important, right? Like the the rock right. star is important. That's who sells the tickets. But absolutely, the performance can't go on without all the people that go in. Without so, yeah. With that, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to have a great conversation with Joe Baffone uh, or Baffoni. I'm not, we'll get the corrected pronunciation in a minute. He's the co-founder and CEO of Anexus Health, a leading healthcare tech company that helps lessen nice. administrative and logistical barriers across the patient experience, increase access to care reduce financial burdens at both the patient and provider levels. His goal is to change the world by building a culture around healthcare data that people want to be a part of. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks so much, Frank. Hey, Andy. Hey. Yeah, it's, it's, we had a little bit of a chat in the virtual green room here, and we'll get to that maybe at the uh, as the show progresses. But I uh, just want to welcome you, Joe, to the show. The, um, the, the goal, the mission uh, of the company just sounds amazing. It sounds what exactly is needed, right? Uh, yeah. So, 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 tell us about how did you how did you get here? Like, how did you how did you get there? How did you hit that frustration point? What made you take the action, and then what your firm is doing? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that it it took me longer to get here than I than it should have, right? I think I'm more stubborn than I ever thought, and maybe it just takes me longer to learn. I spent a lot of time in the pharma industry doing a bunch of different things. Um, okay. So the things that I did in pharma that relate to what I'm doing today um, were 
around roles I played in the business of oncology. Right. So I did things like create payer focusing teams, facing teams, um, led reimbursement teams. I led relationships with big healthcare companies. I had the opportunity and the blessing to lead our relationships with advocacy groups. And that was probably one of the most meaningful experiences in my professional career because it got me into this seat to watch people that dedicated their entire professional life to advocating on behalf of patients. And in this case, cancer patients. So it was extremely meaningful for me to watch people or to interact with people and try to play some kind of meaningful role in the lives of those that were looking to impact the lives of patients with a cancer diagnosis. So that was a really cool opportunity. Um, I did learn a lot through all of these other experiences. Another big experience was leading relationships with large healthcare companies, large healthcare companies that supported and sold in to pharma. So what I learned was there's a lot of crap out there, right? And there's some good stuff. And learning the ability to kind of sift through things, learning the ability to say, hey, this looks really cool, but how do you measure it, right? There's a kind of a data story in that, right? Right. Um, so ultimately, I spent too much time because I'm stubborn and I think that I learn quickly, but sometimes I refuse to learn on others' terms. Right. And so others terms may be Andy God in this case, right? Where there's a there, there's a plan in play here. So ultimately right. I don't have any regrets. And really the honest truth is is I needed all those experiences to help me as an operator. So I stepped out of pharma. I did the operator gig somewhere else prior to this. And it was around data. It was around taking clearinghouse data, bringing it in, and creating meaning in action to that data, meaning. So it's clearinghouse data for claims and remittance. And there's a lot of good data in there, right? But it's all how it's packaged, right? So in the oncology space, provider organizations are buy and build. They have pharmacy dispensing software. So they've got skin in the game. Certainly the patient has skin in the game and stuff not getting paid for it is getting paid for, right? So we ingested the data. We looked at it closely. We found out what was going on with things that were being denied. Why was it being denied? what are the things that we could do to impact denials or approvals or time to payments, right? And that all impacts patient care. So we took that data, we ingested it, we created meeting in action, we created pretty pictures and we sold into pharma. We help providers, right? Help their patients. So during that time, as an operator, we were discovering and exploring other things to truly have an impact on improving access to healthcare for patients. And so at that time, in that role as an operator with other partners, we actually were working with another software company to start to build the bones of our technology at Anexus Health today. And that is assist point. We can get a little into a little bit more um, about that later. But that's the journey that led me to Anexus Health. Do we want to pause and banter or uh, go through some questions or let me to tell you a little bit about Anexus Health? Well, I'd like to know more about Anexus Health. I mean, there's there, there's a lot to unpack in what you said, but I think if we kind of if you close the loop and kind of see what you do, that might that might make the questions a little more clear. Yeah, and I think to the audience, and maybe you guys, um, depending on how much time 
that um, you guys spent just looking at our website. Ultimately, there's a big conversation going on right now around equities of care. I don't know if you guys have heard about that, but ultimately, whether you call it equities of care or disparities of care, there is a real issue in our healthcare system where based on specific circumstances, patients are getting care or not getting care, or getting care in a different way, right? And it's having an impact on our healthcare system. It's having an impact on patients. So it's, it's really interesting that this is a really hot topic. We actually started building, building this, this concept of a company really before this became a hot topic. So what we're solving for is actually improving the way the healthcare journey is managed. And our focus is busting through administrative toxicities that often lead to financial toxicity. So how do we do that? Yeah. We basically provide a comprehensive tooling through technology and through services, tech-enabled services, to manage financial assistance start to finish for okay. provider organizations. So it could be a community provider, and we're in 14 different disease states now. We started in an oncology, and ultimately what we do for provider organizations as it relates to financial assistance is four key pillars, search and roll, track, and analyze. So if you guys know anything about the healthcare space and revenue cycle management, Ultimately, what we do for financial assistance is that complete cycle of management around financial assistance. And it does a couple of things that are really important. Number one, it makes the providers whole economically so that they can continue to treat patients the way they need to. It takes a burden off of the patient so that they can get the health care they deserve. And ultimately, we're making this heavy administrative process and function cleaner, easier, more automated, more comprehensive. And so that's one, that's what we started, right? That was the, yeah. the MVP that we created. And then we started to develop other tools around access. And so management of free drug is a really important thing in the space. It's something that is needed to get patients on the therapy that they need, but often it's a net negative to life science, to the provider, even to the patient because of what's actually not being paid for wrapped around that. And so we okay. do a really good job of managing that, making sure that where there's an opportunity to convert patients to other assistance options to get commercial drug, we do that as well. So those things that we're currently doing right now, inclusive of making sure that everyone has access to other services like travel, lodging, psychosocial, and other, other services are in one destination, in one mm -hmm. place. Now, why is this a big thing? Because before we started doing this, really, we were the first to market with this provider-centric, comprehensive way of approaching things. It was all spreadsheets. It was fax machines. It was post-it oh, wow. notes. It was free text notes and EHRs and rev cycles. So it was a mess, and that was our competition. Now, our vision, our vision of this organization is to bust through more administrative toxicities by providing the enterprise platform for provider organizations. So it could be community providers, health systems, institutions. The enterprise platform we, that, that we wanna provide is focused on administrative logistics. So in the healthcare system, provider organizations have three key technology enterprise platforms. The EHR, the electronic health record, the revenue cycle management system, the cash register, and, and the intake engine, and the pharmacy dispensing software. 
All of those systems are not designed to manage the administrative logistics of the patient's care journey. So as a country, we talk about equities of care. We talk about managing the patient experience and their healthcare journey. And we haven't tooled the space to do that effectively, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, most of the, if you guys have individual experience or family experience or friend experience, getting a diagnosis of cancer or some disease that is associated with the sophisticated disease states like gastroenterology, rheumatoid arthritis, and I can go on and on. That's a heavy piece of information to receive, right? Oh, it's a life-changing event. Oh, my God. And then they say, go figure it out. I think you should get this, but go figure out all these scenarios. Like, how are you going to pay for it? Is there help out there, right? Are you going to have to be at a certain, like, when we talk about disparities, Andy, you live in Farmville, Virginia. I don't know how close the the really top-notch next level center you would go to for a cancer diagnosis, but getting there and getting there on a regular basis is something that we struggle with, right? So if you're in rural America or there's other scenarios around urban America, anyway, there's a lot of administrative functions that aren't managed effectively and it's all one-off. So the things that we want to really carve out and manage from an enterprise approach with provider organizations is the remote nature of patients that are on oral therapeutics, the cell and gene spaces, heavily laden with administrative logistics, the testing, the diagnostics, and genomic profiling space. So by doing that, we're creating a technology network. We're pretty big already with our current state. And by creating that technology network, we create the ecosystem by which services and data solutions flow through. And pharma invests heavily in that to automate, to make sure there's fulfillment, to impact three key things. Getting patients on intended therapy, getting them on therapy quicker, and keeping them on therapy. Because we know from our data, when there is a therapeutic designed and there's scientific evidence around the impact it has, that if you do those three things, you're going to improve outcomes. So that's what we're doing as an organization. Um, I, I want to tell you guys that I am a capitalist at heart with a purpose to change the world. You said that earlier, and that's something that we can be and can do. Well, that's true. They're not mutually exclusive. And yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of unpacking that, right? And then, and just as, uh, you know, thank God I never had a cancer diagnosis, uh, but just doing stuff in the healthcare system, right? Yeah. Just doing anything in the healthcare system. You look at the mass quantities of paperwork that has to go through. And I mean, not just paperwork, like in the term, but like actual paper that's still used, right? You mentioned post-it notes and spreadsheets. How about the fax machine, Frank? Or the fax machine. It's crazy. And and it's like, I'm just in my back of my head, like the little data engineer in me is freaking out because, oh my God, like, that's at least it's like there's n number x number of formats and yeah. and, and 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 it just and you know people as this show know like that is that is a huge uh barrier like that's a and that's a big that alone is it will will block it and you kind of look at it like can't this be better and you know and i kind of see like oh yeah you're still using fax machines wow um yeah so it's, so, it's yeah. kind of interesting where when I talk, talk to you about how, how we start and what we're doing around mm-hmm. this equities of care thing. And yeah. what's going on in this space is it's very similar to 
Frank, Andy, how you describe on um, your website around the what's going on with data related to the old what went on with oil, right? So when we think about equities of care, when we think about the healthcare space, what you guys describe around the data opportunity is incredible. I think about it on a couple of different levels. Number one, you can tell I'm passionate about what I'm doing, right? Absolutely. And you For can sure. tell that hopefully you understand, right? I'm on this program because data is really important to me. But it's super important to me for a different reason than it is to you guys. And right. I think, that, but there's some similarities, right? Where oh, sure. data, yeah. data makes a freaking difference, right? And so for me to sit here and tell you my story or to sell into life science or to sell into a provider or sit on another podcast that I was on yesterday and describe how we're impacting the market, I have to have data to tell the story, to be able to prove that I can actually in my company, right? can improve the likelihood that the patient's going to get on therapy. And we do it, right? To make yeah. sure that we're demonstrating with what we do, we're getting patients on therapy quicker. We're getting patients on therapy and maintaining them on therapy. So in everything we do, we're constantly analyzing the data to demonstrate that we're doing those things. But Frank, I think you said something earlier, or maybe we were talking offline about like the, the whole idea of, well, no, you just said it, right? Like the cumbersome nature of the paperwork process, yeah. right? I think about some of the things that we do, right? We want to we want to get rid of the spreadsheets. We want to get rid of the paper, but sometimes we can't do it fast enough, right? So we're constantly iterating on our technology. So the iteration in our technology has to include machine learning and AI and RPA. And you know what? If you don't invest in that heavily, if you don't understand it deeply, then you're going to spin and spin and spin. Yeah. And then ultimately my unit economics don't improve because I got people doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing, processing paper or manually entering something in the system that should be automated. So I, uh, anyway, besides the fact that I'm really passionate about what I do, when I started to read about you guys and listen to some of your podcasts, you got me, uh, you got me all fired up. Now I wish I was cool. Friday because I was ready to roll. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for that Uh, feedback, Joe. And I know I've had um, a couple of experiences that I could, um, you kind of relate to what you're talking about. One, I um, worked for Unisys for a couple of years and we did Medicaid uh, systems, MMIS systems. And so you've got kind of that, it's a bit of a fringe element or at least people kind of think of it that way. It's not quite like uh, the big insurance companies and stuff. And I've done work on their data as well, uh, helping them with data engineering there. That's, That's what I do, but it was, very eye-opening to see, you know, to see and hear the stories and managing a team that grew to 40 people. That was new for me as well. But the key was picking a story and going with that and saying it was a it was a pharmacy story. And it was sometime in the future after we deploy this, some grandmother is going to go and try at 10 minutes to five on a Friday uh, afternoon and Monday's a holiday. She's going to try and fill her prescription. And if she doesn't fill it, she doesn't know this, but if she doesn't fill it, she's not going to make it till Tuesday. <clears throat> and so our job is to make sure that that grandma gets her prescription in plenty of time before the pharmacy closes at five and that she gets to live for however long she's supposed to and enjoy her life and have her children and grandchildren, you know, enjoy her life. <clears throat> and pausing in the middle of a presentation of that and just watching the, you know, at this point we were all remote 
<clears throat> watching the faces on the screens and everybody kind of got that and it resonated and it's your the stories you're telling I, I feel are in alignment with that you're you're focused on the outcome and the outcome is people's lives are better or longer or both the other personal story is my my dad passed away in 2019 and he lived in Appalachia so a couple of hundred miles west of here and you know I've I've done um I've have been very honored to to be able to go and do missions work in Honduras mm -hmm. a few few mission trips down there and that area out there is not it, it's it's way closer to Honduras than it is to where I live even in Farmville it's just it's neglected uh, yeah. almost and and people are struggling even now um, and they were back then as well and but yet and still there were there were good hospitals there there were doctors there that were caring I met with them talked with them they were doing their level best but when I mentioned that I did data after we had uh, had built a little bit of trust when I, I worked on data they they kind of opened up to me and they were describing problems similar to what you're solving the EHR systems that they just hit a blocker and it, it, this is not a complaint everybody's doing their best it just wasn't there yet and what you described sounds like a big part of the solution that a, a conversation I had with one of dad's docs so that's it's amazing I think that there are companies out trying to solve that and the technology has gotten so ubiquitous and connectivity uh, so ubiquitous and, and the tech so cheap that it's while it looks like a large jump from filling in the forms or typing in Excel to working on a tablet, it's really not anymore. So well, I, 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 I will take the contrarian point of view of that because, like, it okay. It I I wonder like it's very easy as a technologist, right, to just assume everybody's going to be comfortable with technology, right? You're oh, not wrong, yeah. Andy, but it's I'm just, not talking it's just, about the patients, mind you. Just, My dad oh, handed okay. him a tablet, no. <laughs> but no, but even, even the medical, even the doc, <laughs> the medical field is a field that is driven, has always been driven by data, right? Like, yeah. you know, but they are not data driven. And, you know, that's not a plug for the podcast, but like, it's just, it's like, you know, for instance, right? And, and a more lighthearted thing, right? This, that's not life or death, right? I have a Fitbit. I, I, I track my heart rate. I, I, I you know, I, I track a lot of data and track my weight. I go into my doctor and, you know, I show it was like a group practice. I showed her like, you know, this is the data, like, you know, cause you know, you look at my profile, my age, my height, my weight, like, you know, uh, but I'm like, here's my resting heart rate. Here's all the data I have on my heart rate. Yeah. And she just looked at me like I was insane. And I well, probably you are definitely in a not, you're not insane, but you are an anomaly. <laughs> I think that you not only track it, but you present it uh, right. to your doctor. So, but you know, you think of that, you know, it just seems like, some doctors, I think, are more open to the idea. Well, I guess there's multiple angles to this. This is probably why it's a difficult problem to solve, right? Because there, there, there's yeah. so many players, but everybody has their own different systems, right? Sure. And, you know, I, I just I just can't. I mean, there's just there's so much to unpack, right? Like, Because I can't imagine you, yeah. you're getting a, some kind of bad diagnosis. And... That's a life changing event. And then you're throwing all of this stuff, like, you know, like, like, like all the things that, that, that Joe yeah. had said. It's just like, yeah, you know, how, I mean, on a normal, like, just a, like, I had a knee surgery like 10 years ago. I mean, the, the knee surgery uh, was three months from, you know, a doctor said you need to do it to what was done. 
And then like three years later, I'm still getting paperwork like, oh, this has to be paid. Like, and it's just like, uh, I, I just can't imagine like it just. I don't know. Like that just blew my mind. Like three years later, yeah. like I, 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 I half expect to get mail at mail at the new house. Like, hey, you still yeah. owe us five dollars and a fifty dollar processing fee, which again, like. It's so bizarre. It's it's interesting too what's going on in this space. So so actually to both of your points, right? So we've come very far. Mm. Um, I just think about some of the things that the federal government does that's a, a colossal failure, and then I think about some things that are favorable. So let's stay positive, right? Sure. So as it relates <laughs> to system and it relates to data, you know, the federal government launched this meaningful use thing years and years ago, and yeah. the healthcare system battled providers battled over this being forced into using an electronic chart system right versus this paper you still go into these practices and you still see they've got their manila folders up on on the wall and ultimately the it was initially a carrot and then it became a stick and there was a lot of complaining and there was a heavy economic toll right because the amount of money that the federal government was giving through meaningful use wasn't meaningful, right? Mm. But provider organizations struggled for it. We're all better for it. We all are better, better for it. And we're better for it because of data. But we still struggle, right? Because if you're not yeah. capturing this data in a way through, or the data is an input in fields, you guys know, right? You're not capturing structured data, right? You're capturing right. free text nodes. What the hell do you do with that? And I don't care how good you think you are at natural language processing, there's still people you got to apply to it and still ineffective, right? right? So I just think about that movement and, and how it's getting much better. And we are trying to force everyone to think about forcing this into fields. Let's understand the fields, right? Because the next level of what the federal government has done very positively, again, is interoperability. So meaningful use became interoperability. So now everybody's talking about sh- sharing healthcare data that we Mm -hmm. used to put walls around. And that's such crap that we're putting walls around that. And the primary reason was because people wanted to make money. Right. Mm. So the federal government has decided that this healthcare data is the patient's data. Let's figure out a way to share data through a standard API approach. Right. And although we're way far from that, it still has actually made the conversation easier. It's made it easier for a nexus health to do the data thing to allow us to do what we do from a tech and services perspective much easier and much better because I'm talking to these EHR systems, these RevCycle systems, these pharmacy dispensing systems, these data aggregators or institutions or whatever it may be, and where they may have sat in a place where they're like, no, you can't come anywhere near my data because I want to monetize it. And they had no interest in changing the world. Right. Other than change the world, by putting money in their pockets so they could go spend it somewhere else, right? So now I think that the industry is looking at it a little differently and it's mm-hmm. opening up. I think getting back to the original point that I wanted to make though, I think things are getting better. I think it's light and yeah. day different than it was like 10 years ago, but we still have basic challenges, right? Like I think about one of the things that we're facing right now where I need to create a better system by which we connect with charitable foundations because it's really bulky what we're solving for there. The charitable foundations are a 501c3. They don't have the people, the time, the FTEs to engage in some basic conversations. Like we make things really easy. And if anybody's listening from charitable foundations, 
please contact Synexus Health because we can make your life easier. We can make you do better at what you do. You're going to get more money in because we improve it and we're going to cost you less money by the way you process things. But ultimately, people are resistant. There's not a lot of time. So I'm trying to RPA things, right? But right. if I've got an unwilling participant because they think it's going to be too much or they think there's going to be security risks and they're not even willing to have the conversation, then if I right. want to do it the really clean, easy way without their participation, they got stuff blocking my bots. And all I want to do is the right thing for the patient, right? So, right. yeah, we can, we can solve for that and do that. But guess what? You know how much money we're spending to solve for this and iterate on this thing? Yeah. And ultimately, every penny I spend on that kind of crap, and it makes it more expensive for me, then it makes it harder for me to impact patients. So well, you pull, and every, cycle, guys, yeah, every cycle you spend doing that is a cycle right. you're not spending somewhere else. Sorry, Andy, I cut you off. That's okay. No, and, and you've got <clears throat> some well-intentioned regulation, uh, HIPAA, and, and just other privacy concerns, just general uh, personally identifying information type stuff. That that's out there, and it all collides, I think, at at medical data. Um, so, you know, I, while I understand some of the resistance that you're seeing, and I, and I kind of get where it's coming from, and and agree with that part of it, um, there's ways to de-identify data, and and go after aggregates, especially if you're trying to do what you're trying to do. You're trying to smooth out the system for everyone. You're not while while it will benefit individuals, you're not going after individual data. So. Yeah. And there's other things, right? Like you just got to make sure. sure and you do have to put some time into it, right? Like is an excess health legit, right? Well, right. there's things that we can understand if they're legit or not. Are you SOC 2? Are you high trust, right? So there's things right. Right. that we are doing from a regulation perspective that make it easier for us to trust those that want to purvey in the data. So do you think that people or organizations hide behind regulations by saying, like, oh, that's that's HIPAA. We we can't do that, or it's too much of a risk. Is that is that a thing? Is like, I think we I think we can all agree that HIPAA has been has its use, right? It has its purpose. But you, has that has that been a has that been a have people used that as blockers or unequivocally? Like, yes, Frank. Unequivocally, okay. yes. Yeah, and and I and it might it could be, it's anywhere. It's anywhere. It it is, in, and I think about the segments of our business, right? So working with a large health system or institution, right? And, I, and my people are dealing with three lawyers, two security folks, three compliance folks, four regulators, and wow. they all have a really important purpose in this. Mm -hmm. But if their purpose is to say no, and <laughs> they say no, hiding behind regulations, and policies versus yeah. understanding the reason for that regulation and policy and being solution oriented. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it blocks or costs time and money at the provider level. Same thing in the life science world, right? Where you have lawyers that they're there to do the job. They, they have to, right? Because no life right. science company wants the OIG coming down on them for whatever the reason, but you have to be solution oriented. You got to look at the organization. You got to make sure that organization is actually doing what it's saying it's doing. And there's ways to test that and look into that versus saying no. And 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 that's like, you can you can hear Frank, the passion in my answer around that question. Oh my gosh, I've spent so much time and so much money getting through those that sit in a seat that they're hiding behind something because it's easier to say no 
and sure. work through a solution. Yeah, that is that is true. What are your thoughts about the fire? The F H I R. Is it pronounced fire or is it fear? Because I've heard both. I say fire, and I'm using okay. the authority on the way things are said. <laughs> <laughs> but what's fascinating is so so in a previous job, I um you know I I, I was a technology architect for data and AI at, at at one of the MTCs, Microsoft Technology Centers, and I had never heard of fire. Right, I had been out of the uh, electronic health records space since 2006. And so I, it was completely new to me and I would blew my mind. It shouldn't blow my mind, but it was like, wow, this is actually a couple of things blew my mind. Wow. People actually in this space got together to work together. That blew my mind <laughs> Two, It was both uh, Java, uh, JSON and XML compliant, which I thought was pretty, pretty cool. Um, has that helped? Is that, is that been a good kind of, kind of having a common language for these systems to talk to one another? Yeah, so I think generally speaking, let's just step back. So, so fire, um, I think there's a lot of conversation around it because that's how the federal government has decided to put language around the standards, right? The standard for communicating. So fire API. So I think just the API approach is, yes, it's all good, right? So let's standardize the way we're going to share information in a safe private manner. So yes, it has changed the game, but the whole discussion around fire and creating fire APIs and standards of communication has opened the door incredibly to this idea that we should be really investing in sharing data and we can't sit in a position of hiding behind something or just being scared to death. So yeah. I think that the, the, the conversation and I think the work being done and I think the work being done and then absolutely the application, right? So whether we describe yeah. that we're using a fire API or we're using an API approach that we've created the specs around or we're working with someone else's specs, the whole idea that you can communicate with these application programming interfaces is life-changing, right? Because there's still a lot of stuff that we're doing through HL7, ADT feeds. There's stuff that we're right. absorbing in a flat file, right? And I can't wait for the day that all of it is through API. Why? Right. Because it's going to be better. It's going to be cleaner. It's going to be faster. And it's, God, I hope, going to be less expensive. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I mean, you're right. Go ahead, Frank. Sorry. No, anytime you say flat file, it's kind of like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I started to sweat. I said it and I started, my palms are sweating, right? <laughs> I had that sinking feeling in my stomach. So I'm going to task Andy's memory. We had a guest that made an analogy, and I only remember part of it, where it was basically data data professionals were uh, used to be kind of guardians or gatekeepers, and yes. now they're shopkeepers. I forget who that's, said that. That's Donald Farmer. That's what I thought. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure. So so we had a show, and he's like, he kind of has waxes very philosophical because data at one point was hidden within an enterprise. There were silos were considered normal but i think now what you're talking about with all these different parties like like you said they have to open it up they have to be like a store almost obviously right. with hipaa and things like that there has to be some constraints but yeah but i think it's a mindset shift a mi mindset shift i didn't exactly say exactly what word. i was going to say yeah it's um, definitely a mindset culture switch yeah. and i like you i cringed a little bit when i heard an edi um oh, you know yeah. uh, specification um, and I believe HL7 was one of those. I, it's been a while, but um, yeah, those were hard. Those are hard to load. 
Uh, and I just did a recent blog post related to that. I, I titled it H, uh, sorry, XM Held. XM Held. <laughs> you know, give me anything, something, anything other than XML. But, but, that, but as we're having that conversation, right, the different formats right. and the ways that we as a company, a data company, so we're, we're a healthcare solutions company, but we're a data company at heart, right? right. And so I think about how we want to be better every day around ETL, right? So extract, transform, and load. And, and I just think about the pain that we've been through, the yeah. process that we've been through. But the whole idea is that if we're going to do this data thing right, right? Yeah. And we are, there's going to be individuals, there's going to be companies that are going to invest in this. Like there's a lot, there's a lot to doing this. There's a lot to being in this game for us, right? As data people, and I'm not a real data person, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a change the world geek. And, and so you guys ask questions, I think typically in a website, like what brought you to data? It's because data is the yeah. only way that I'm going to prove that we can change the world. And then how do we do it better? But this whole idea that we've got to invest so much money in extract, transform, and load. Right, I don't care. Like, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this to demonstrate. I don't know what I'm talking about, but the amount of money we're investing in palaces and lakes and rivers and whatever the hell that is for ETL, right? It's crazy. Like, let's just get ourselves wrapped around the fact that figuring out the best way to share data, to figuring out the best way to ingest data and be able to study it in a meaningful way. Yeah. changes the world and that's what it i want to do and I, that's why i love what i see that you guys are doing right oh thanks well thanks yeah this is an awesome conversation we can go on for another hour but uh probably good times yeah it's all five of eleven well i'm on the east coast further <laughs> <laughs> um so you kind of touched upon the first question we asked which is how did you find your way into data did you find data or did data find you you know what? And and I I let out some of the stuff that I pre prepared, <laughs> okay. but like no, literally, this is all good. Yeah, li literally, I um for the longest time knew I wanted to change the world. I just didn't know how the heck I was going to do it, right? Yeah. And so as I started to think about things and I started to look at things, data points are really like I think in bullet points. I think in spreadsheets. Not even knowing that I was a data guy at heart, I tell our data scientists lead all the time that. You know, that's what I want to do next. I want to learn how to be a data scientist, right? Because I'm nowhere near that. Like I got to go to probably 50 years of slow learner, 50 years of schooling to, to be that. But it was, it was this, this thing that changed the world geek inside of me that let me know I was constantly absorbing data points. Yeah. And so once I decided or once God laid on my heart what I actually wanted to do, right, then it became really clear to me the data is the way to do it, right? Data is the way to decide what you want to do. Data is the way to decide you is the way to decide how you build it better, how you structure it. Data is the way you prove what you've intended to do is working, and then data will tell you what to shift and what to change to. So anyway, yeah. I was brought to it, but I guess in my heart, I always was that kind of data geek. I just need yeah. to learn a lot more to be as cool as you guys. Oh. We're constantly learning too. It keeps changing on us, Joe. So it's all good. Um, our second question I, is which, uh, go ahead. I love the story. I love the story in data, right? Oh, yeah. There, yeah. There's stories in every data point. A absolutely. And that's a really good way to kind of get everybody on the same page. We've yeah. been listening to stories since, you know, we were kids. So, you know, that helps. 
Um, our, our second question is, what's your favorite part of your current gig? Um, I'm going to go back to the stuff I'm saying over and over again. It's making a difference, right? So I, I told you guys I was a capitalist um, through and through. Um, but it's not about making money. I've done a bunch of different things in my professional life and mm -hmm. made money, right? That I, uh, Andy, we were talking earlier. I don't get satisfaction and fulfillment from my job. But there's professional satisfaction that yeah. comes along with your work. And ultimately, I get that satisfaction through making a difference. So I just feel like, man, I'm, at, and I guess I shouldn't be putting this out there, but at 57 years of age, I had no intention or no idea that I'd be working the kind of hours that I'm working. But I can't wait. I'm a real early riser. And it's because I can't wait. It's not because I'm stressed out. It's because I can't wait to get to work and make a difference. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. Awesome. So we have uh, three complete the sentence uh, questions. When I'm not working, I enjoy blank. surfing. Interesting. Surfing. Cool. So you're on the East Coast, you mentioned just a minute ago. Yeah. Uh, where do you surf? So I have a place in Bethany Beach, Delaware. And so I'm a storm nice. chaser. I'm a hurricane chaser. But I will... You know, I'll, I'll find ways to get to places that have really good waves on a regular basis. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. Our, next, our next fill in the blank um, is I think the coolest thing in technology today is blank. The pace of change. I think that Andy, you guys were, Frank both were talking about this earlier. And I think we were talking about it through the conversation, right? The differences sure. that we've seen. And I think that like you, you use the analogy of oil um, we could also use the analogy of the industrial revolution and like how things change so rapidly. Everybody talks about the technology revolution. I mean, I think we should be talking about the data revolution, right? About what's going on and how fast it's all changing. So I, I think that ultimately it's really cool. It's really cool. No matter what frustrations I express, no matter what I'm, you know, riffing off on about, you know, the fax machine. The pace of change is really cool right now. And I'm wired that way, right? Like, nice. I think I love what I do every day because it's not predictable and it changes very rapidly. It does, yeah. So, Frank, uh, we need a new order for a T-shirt. So we've got data is the new oil. <laughs> That's right. And, and which uh, listeners can pick up and help the show out. Um, we need one for the uh, data revolution now. I think Joe's I like inspired that. me. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'll be I'll be hitting up Photoshop later today, um, <laughs> but the uh, or maybe even Dolly. Who knows? I mean, I even have to do the actual artwork. Uh, so that's an interesting point, because there was there was something you talk about data and, and how it can transform. It's transforming everything. Right. So one of the stories I heard was this is regards to staff infections. And I forget. Um, speaking of rogue AIs, Alexa, stop. Um, she's like. <laughs> She, I don't know how what I did to trigger her, but the the short of it is is that there was a story about a uh, a woman lost her child because he had some kind of staph infection or whatever, and it, it, she mentioned the notion of data leakage, right? So it turns out, again, I'm gonna get the details wrong, but basically, if you track your heart rate or heart rate var variability, um, there's a signal in that in that data that there's some kind of massive infection. But most times, oh, wow. you know, when you're in the hospital, they only check your pulse, but so often. So that, I think that's a good example of how data can transform medicine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And is that oh, wow. is that something you've seen or heard of or? 
or just so getting I, the fundamentals right is just so is the process right now. So I think that, you know, I was involved a little bit more on the clinical side at different roles in pharma because, but right now I'm so focused on the administrative and logistical challenge associated, associated with the care journey. I would say, I'm sure there's example after example of that, right? I think about some things that I've seen, right? In terms of very similar things where um, I just was exposed to something recently about suicides and the, 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 the epidemic in the way certain groups are deciding to, to, to do this and there's data in it, right? Like there's, there's blood markers that are telling for, okay, what happened and what are we looking at and why did that happen so that we can act more quickly, right? So yeah. um, to, to help that, that, that person. So I think absolutely, we probably could bring somebody clinical in and talk to that all day long. But I can tell you the thing that I see that's really meaningful where, and this will have an impact on healthcare, right? The cell and gene area is crazy with logistics. So these mm. personalized immunotherapies, I don't know if you guys have heard much about that, where yeah. basically you're having a patient go get blood drawn, have their T cells spun off, are sending it to a manufacturing site, then they're creating a personalized therapy for that patient. Then it has to be shipped to a treatment center, which is not typically where the primary care is going on. And then that patient has to have things set up for the logistics around the 30 day inpatient stay. The care. Wow. I just hit on a few things, but the logistical challenges in all of that, if you improve one thing that typically there's like 20 to 30 steps in that, and they all take days. If you can use technology to shrink those elements down, wow, these yes. things are curing. These personalized immunotherapies, we're not calling them cures yet, but I'm telling you, like no evidence of disease. It looks like it's curing patients where they were on fourth line of therapy and they were going to be dead in a month. It's wow. having real impact and technology process improvement can really yeah. impact healthcare. And those are the things that we want to study. When I think about data, like I want to be able to study that time and motion and how are we having an impact in the cell and gene space? I absolutely wow. love that. Just, just that I, the whole concept of reducing the steps. And if you can move, you got somebody who's been diagnosed and, and given a month to live, you're, you're changing the, you're moving the needle significantly. If you can stop it from being Monday morning and make it Friday afternoon, I mean, that's significant. And that's amazing. It sounds like, oh, you're shuffling papers. Well, if you want to look at it that way, knock yourself out. But I'll guarantee you, you know, that person is having that starfish experience where, you know, there's a kid on the beach picking up starfish and throwing them back into the water. And somebody walks up and says, you know, why well, you're this is useless. You're, you know, they're just going to wash back up again. It doesn't mean anything. And a kid says it means a lot to that one. He just chunked. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, actually, getting back, and think about get back, back, getting back to Frank's point, right? You think about yeah. these staph infections, right? But let's think about it in the way of like a blood infection, right? Sepsis. So, yes. like, you get a blood infection, you're gone quickly, right? So, mm. identification, diagnosis, improvement in how things are being processed and identified through technology and through data will have a critical impact on some of those things that are really, truly urgent in the moment. 
I love it. Wow. Now we went down a rabbit trail here off our question. But that's right? that's what we do. Man, I'm not even awesome. sure what question we are. I, I think we kind of. It's you and number six. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I look forward to the day when I can use technology to blank. Um, totally off script. Brush my teeth and floss because that takes a lot of time for me throughout the day. But beyond that, I, I actually am always um, jotting notes. And sometimes those notes become more formal documents and outlines and wireframes for the the next thing, right? Um, yeah. I'm still a very young 57. I tell my kids I'm biologically 31. So I got two or three or four more gigs in me. And so right. I look forward to using technology to solve for food deserts. I look forward to using technology to solve for a comprehensive approach, approach to healthcare insurance alternatives. I think our insurance industry, our healthcare insurance industry is totally broken, right? The way we approach it, the way we just approach insurance, right? Through the standard brokerage approach, through the standard markets approach. I think we need to open that up. And I think we can open it up through SMEs, right? So subject matter experts applied to technology. So those are the things besides flossing and brushing my teeth that I would love to apply tech to. <laughs> That's funny That's you mentioned awesome. that. Because there was a TV show called Farscape, like in the early early two thousands, and and one of the one of the plot points I forget was like they 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 have like little nanite um, robots that clean and floss your teeth for you. I forget where that came up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great uh, idea. <laughs> <laughs> so our next uh, thought is we asked to ask that you share something different about yourself. You already mentioned surfing, so. Um, but if uh, and we remind all our guests, not just you, to uh, remember it's a family podcast and we want to hang on to our clean rating. I think that I don't know how different this is, but I think my obsession is what makes it different. I am obsessed okay. with challenging the norm and expected behavior. I think that. I think that too many of us in this world have settled in the fact that this is what is expected, this is what is the norm, this right. is what we're told to do, and this is how we're told to do it. Yeah. And I think that there are more people that it could have a major impact on others if they would, in the right way, right? This is family friendly. I'm not talking to do things to to do things that are harmful or nefarious around challenging yeah. norms and expected behaviors. But I think in a healthy way, my obsession with it is sometimes unhealthy, but I think that's a little different and maybe even a little off with me. Interesting. You know, one of uh, Frank and I, uh, you know, follow uh, success coaches and, and the one I'm thinking of, I know it went through Frank's mind whenever we hear the word obsess. Uh, is uh, Grant Cardone, and he has a book called Be Obsessed or Be Average. And it's it was a very challenging uh, listen for, for me. I know Frank got a lot out of it as well. And um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being obsessed. I, I think, yes, like anything, it can be taken to an unhealthy spot. But it, I don't think that that spot, you know, the word that popped into my mind first was extreme. But I'm not so sure extreme is the definition of unhealthy there. I think there are two different spots. And I can hear the passion uh, in your voice, Joe. And for those listening to the audio, you can't see Joe's face uh, here. We are recording this as video, but then we usually strip out the audio because we got more listeners 
uh, listening than watching. But I, I get it. I, I can see that. And you're, it's a good passion. It's not unhealthy at all, in my opinion. Interesting. Okay, Frank, I lost track now. No, no, uh, no, no. I think it's um, you. I think you're next. I, I'm, I'm going to do the audible one, then we'll ask uh, the final question, which is where people can find out more. So, do you do you do audiobooks or 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 uh, or not? If you do, can you recommend a book? So I I typically don't do audio. I love to read um, because I love words, but I typically love to read to take me away. Um, because of my obsessed approach to things, I'm always on. Um, so I have one that I can recommend that I read years and years ago, and I still think it was one of the, 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 the more fun, thought-provoking, take-me-away books that I read. But I, I do need to say first that uh, the book I recommend to everyone is the Bible. Um, so that's the one that, that I actually read every day and I find important as it relates to guidance, advice, and how I should be approaching things from a foundational perspective. But it also reminds me daily of my failures in trying to accomplish that. Um, the other, the book that I, I would recommend um, is The Genesis Code by a pseudonym of John Case. And it's a biological thriller. Um, so thought provoking, some cutting edge, interesting blending of that could be possible, not possible type, type stuff. Interesting. Awesome. Uh, Audible is a sponsor of Data Driven. And if you go to oh, thedatadrivenbook.com, uh, I'm good. sure I know that there's multiple readings Audible of the Bible. My, my, uh, my wife uses Audible all the time because I see it come through. There you go. Oh, oh very nice. cool. Yeah. Um, I, I am the heavy user. I, I use my wife's credits because we're on the same account. So <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if that's that ranks in the share Netflix password thing and somebody from Audible is going to give me a call. I don't know. <laughs> But we'll find out. That's what data <laughs> science is all about. I have a hypothesis. I do it. And sometimes I plan the hypothesis. Sometimes it just comes out of my mouth. Uh, so on that note, before I say anything else stupid, uh, share something. Uh, no, we did that. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your company? The best place to go is our website, Annexus, A-N-N-E-X-U-S. And by the way, Annexus is for connectivity in Latin. And you guys heard ah, through the stories today yeah, that connectivity yeah. is really important to what we do. So a nexus health.com. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you. And we'll let Bailey finish the show. Thanks for listening to data driven. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or topics you'd like us to explore, please reach out to us. We value your feedback and strive to address the needs and interests of our listeners.